You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon is called We the Redeemed. We the Redeemed. In Psalms 107 verse 2, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen. If you look in your Bible, that word so is actually italicized, which means it's not actually there in the original text. So the the scripture reads, let the redeemed of the Lord say whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. In Psalms 107 verse 1, it starts with, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And then it goes into let the redeemed of the Lord say. And that word say means that you were supposed to speak it out yourselves, that it's something that you should be declaring, it's something that should be coming out of your heart and out of your mouth, Um, and to simply say that I am redeemed. The scripture says in verse 2, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Jesus hasn't even come to the earth. Jesus hasn't even been gotten one nail to the cross. Jesus hasn't died. Jesus hasn't risen again when Psalms 107 is written, and it says that whom he has redeemed. I am redeemed. Even now, look at your neighbor. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and tell your neighbor, neighbor, I am redeemed. I am redeemed. That word redeemed or redeemer means to redeem or buy back. It means to require blood, to avenge bloodshed, to require the penalty of bloodshed. And then it kind of combines the two definitions. Redeemer means, number one, that redeemer has the right of redemption Number two, has the office of avenging bloodshed, which belongs to the nearest kinsman. In the Old Testament, it was believed that if someone was killed in the family, the one that was the nearest kinsman had the first right to redemption, and they had and acquired the office of avenging bloodshed. But I'm always uh, not a big fan when the definition of the word is in the word. So the redeemer, the definition, the first definition of redeemer means to redeem. Well, I need a little more understanding of that. And so I went to our dictionary, and the word redeemed in the English dictionary means of a person, and of that person they atone or make amends for error or evil. It means to save someone from sin, error, or evil. It means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. And it also means to pay the necessary money to clear a debt or buy the freedom of. That we're talking about the redeemed, which is you and me, and we'll see that today, whom the Lord, as the Redeemer, has redeemed. They've, God had a plan to atone or make amends for your error and your evil. He saved you from sin, error, and evil. He gained or regained you as a possession in exchange for the payment of Jesus's blood. And then he paid the necessary money to clear a debt or buy back your freedom through Jesus. Now we, as humanity, we love a good redemption story. 
It's why we enjoy uh, superhero movies, why Marvel and DC comic books and movies have flourished, um, because we want someone who has been defeated, who has been pushed down, who has been taken advantage of. We love a good redemption story. We love spy movies, you know, the... Uh, the, the Tom Cruise movies, the, uh, I forget, the Jason Bourne movies where, where it's these spy guys who are, are redeeming a people that didn't even know that they were in danger and they go on this mission to save and restore, overthrow a corrupt government or a mafia boss or somebody that's trying to take advantage or power or overcome somebody. We love good sports movies where the underdog comes back and wins the championship. We love a good redemption story. Remember in Disney, we have uh, the Lion King, or Simba, who's uh, cast away, and he has to run away as Scar has taken over and destroyed the Pride Lands. And he comes back, a good redemption story, and he, he gets back his rightful place. But another thing is we like to understand that uh, redemption is something that we can obtain. But we also have this understanding that we think in our mind that there are some unredeemables that are out there. And you've heard the various names of people throughout history, serial killers, warlords, um, dictators, that we sit on our high pedestal of being in America or thinking that we're better than most, that, that there are unredeemables out there and not even God himself could redeem those people. But what happens when we flip the script and we realize that we were on that list of unredeemables? You see, God is holy and God cannot, will not, and does not allow sin to be anywhere near him. It's not allowed. It's not who he, it's just, it can't be anywhere near him. As soon as Satan sinned and thought that he was higher or mightier than God, it says Jesus saw him fall to heaven like lightning. We've all seen a lightning storm and how quick lightning flashes. And that God can't be around sin. And we were, people still are, sinners and for the longest time in history, we were on that list of unredeemables. And then God decided to redeem us. God decided to become the redeemer. He always was, but he revealed himself throughout the scriptures as being the redeemed. The redeemer who has come to redeem the unredeemable to redeem you and me. And now in this point in time in history, we are the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You see, God reveals himself as someone who wants to redeem humanity. He specifically enjoys redeeming his people. And we're going to look at some different uh, scriptures in the Old Testament that shows God kind of playing his hand, kind of uh, revealing who he is who he wants to be, and who he's going to be. You see, the Old Testament is full of stories of God redeeming his people. There's an entire book 
that is showing and foretelling of his redemption plan in the book of Ruth. You can go and read. It's a short book, and you can read the redemption plan of, of this woman who is not an Israelite, who is redeemed into this plan and in this covenant, who eventually becomes a part of the lineage of Jesus. In the book of Judges, God is continually raising up these redeemers to rescue and save the Israelites from captivity. God reveals himself to kings and prophets and priests, and he pronounces that a redeemer is coming. And this redeemer is coming not like the the redeemers that are portrayed in Judges, where the people fall and fail and a new redeemer is brought up and then another redeemer is brought up and he saves them again and he saves them again. No, no, no. This redeemer that is coming will redeem everyone, everywhere, all at once, at one time when he's on the cross. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, Moses is speaking to, I mean, God is speaking to Moses about redeeming the Israelites. But before he even reveals this plan, God has to first redeem Moses. Remember, Moses is brought up in the house of Pharaoh, and he ends up killing an Egyptian. And he tries to hide, and he runs away, and he's hiding in the back part of the, of the desert as a shepherd. And he comes across this tree that is burning, but isn't being burnt. And he has an encounter with God as God is saying, I'm going to redeem you. You once were a murderer, but now you are going to be a redeemer for me. And he's telling and he's teaching Moses in Exodus chapter 6, starting in verse 6, Moses hears from God, and this is God speaking, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Look at this. I will rescue you from their bondage. And here's our word for today. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Verse 7, God continues to speak. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. God is revealing himself to Moses. He's already showed himself as the redeemer for Moses. And now God's really going to flex his muscles. We believe that the Israelites, including women and children, could be between the million, two million range of people that were slaves in Egypt. And so God's not just redeeming one person. Now he's going to redeem one entire people group from the enemy, from their captors, from those who have enslaved them for over 400 years. And he's going to do it in a quick manner. It took them over 400 years of doing slavery and over a matter of a couple of weeks or months, he pulls this entire people group, he redeems them and pulls them out from slavery in to freedom. Job chapter 19, verse 25, we talked about this scripture a couple weeks ago, that Job is in the middle of the fire. Job is in the middle of the chaos. Job is in the middle of the devil attacking him, destroying him. His wife is making fun of him. These, uh, his friends, quote unquote, friends that are there making fun of him, telling him to give up on God. And there's something deep inside of Job that wells up inside of him for him to say in Job 19, 25, for I know that my Redeemer lives. Even in the middle of the chaos, like the, Egypt, like the Israelites with the Egyptians, even in the middle of slavery, even in the middle of sin, even in the middle of despair, even in the mid- middle of whatever you're going through, you have to say, like it says in Psalms 107, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, for I know 
that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. At this time, Jesus has not come. Job is one of the oldest books written in the Bible, we believe, at the time. And he's declaring, I know that there's a Redeemer coming. I know that he's going to stand on this earth. I know that there's a mediator coming whenever we were talking about Job the last time. And I know that he is going to redeem me from this situation. Psalms 19, verse 14, King David writes, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. You see, King David has this revelation of who God is. He sees God in a different light. He he understands that, yes, God is his strength. God is his Lord. God is all these things. But what he realizes, and you can read through different songs where he continually says that the Lord is his Redeemer. My Redeemer. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer, my Lord, is going to be on my side. His son has a similar revelation He says in Proverbs 23, the wisest man ever on the earth, King Solomon, who is King David's son, he writes in Psalms 23, 11, for their redeemer is mighty. He, being their redeemer, will plead their cause against you. Now, actually, he's talking, if you read in verse 10, he's talking about not messing up the fatherless's land. And there's just something that God has. There's something special on God's heart when it comes to orphans and widows. We see that in the New Testament where that is true religion, is taking care of orphans and widows. And we see this trend throughout the Bible that God has this heart for these that, are, um, that have just not been given a good lot in life. Fatherless, orphans, widows, these people who need extra help in their lives because life circumstances has come against them. And he's telling King Solomon, is saying, don't mess with the orphan's lands, for their Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. And then kind of our last scripture in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 44, verse 23, you can read throughout the book of Isaiah, and he talks about this Redeemer, this, he, as he's prophesying about this Savior, this Messiah that's coming to save the world, to save the Israelites, to even save the Gentiles. He's getting this prophetic revelation. Look at Isaiah 44, verse 23. It says, Sing, O heaven, for the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, you mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. Look at this. Why are we doing all of this celebrating? Why is the heavens singing? Why are the lower parts of the earth shouting? Why are the mountains breaking forth? Why are the forests and the trees talking? For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. That there is a joy. The earth is rejoicing The earth is even saying something. They're they're realizing that their redemption is drawing nigh. They're realizing that the sons of God are revealing themselves because they have been redeemed. You can read in Jeremiah as well, the prophet Jeremiah, he talks about redemption as well. Just a high-level look at these big-named, famous people in the Old Testament. And the thing, and and one of the themes that is throughout Moses saving the Israelites, Job, King David, King Solomon, these big name prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah, 
there's something that the Holy Spirit is revealing to them as they're writing, as they're singing, and they keep talking about God as the Redeemer. The Redeemer is coming. He's coming to redeem us. He's going to come and avenge us. He's going to save us. He's going to atone for our sins. He's going to atone for our errors. He's going to buy us back from evil. He's going to buy us back from death, hell, and the grave. There is an atonement. There is a redemption, and there is a Redeemer coming that they're talking about. Now, let's talk about the Redeemer showing up. You see, God's plan has been portrayed in all of these different parts throughout history. Just these little snippets of of them receiving this revelation. There's a Redeemer coming. God is a Redeemer. He's going to redeem us from the enemy. He's going to redeem us from our sins. He's going to take us back. He's going to help us. He's going to restore Adam. He's going to restore what Eve did. And there's this plan that is being formulated and kind of revealed throughout history and through the Old Testament. And all of a sudden, that plan comes in to place for the divine appointment on earth to happen. You see, right now, there is all of these football teams. I'm assuming, I don't think Dalton started the season yet, but uh, Dalton has been practicing with his football team. And all your favorite college teams, you've probably been watching the, the, uh, the different scrimmages and things of them preparing for the season that's happening at the end of the month. The NFL is in the middle of preseason games and practicing. And, and they're putting this plan together not to lose, not to tie, not to hopefully win. Everyone at this point in time, all the coaches are believing, and hopefully Dalton is believing as well, that their team is going to win. We're going to win the championship. We're putting this plan together. We're putting this practice together. We're doing all of this stuff to get to the Super Bowl, to get to the championship, to get to the state championship, the national championship, and win this of all the hard work paying off. You see, God throughout the Old Testament has been doing these plans. He's been in the preseason, and he's been doing all these practices. He's got the temple. He's got the animal sacrifices. He's got the prophets. He's got these redeemers and judges. He's got all these things happening, and now the rubber meets the road. It is game time. It's time to go for the championship, and the plan is in place. The plan has worked, and now it's time to win. Jesus is now here on the earth In the flesh, God's plan is finally taken on flesh and the Redeemer has arrived. And when he arrives, the angels show up throughout the heavens and they declare to the shepherds and anyone else who will listen, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to men. That word peace is erene in the Greek and it means the end and the havoc of war. Peace has been declared. The Redeemer is here on earth to end the attack of the enemy, and to save the people. Peace on earth between God and man is now here. And now the Son of God has become a Son of Man so that He can redeem all men to allow them the opportunity to now become the redeemed sons of God. Amen? And as Jesus is here on earth and he, after he's born, he gets circumcised and after the proper cleaning and, and preparation of Mary, after she had had the baby, they go to the temple to honor and to present their son to the temple. And while they're there, they meet this prophet, Simon, they meet this prophetess, Anna. And look at what Anna says whenever she meets Jesus 
baby Jesus in the flesh, only a couple days, couple months old. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. Verse 36 says, Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. Verse 37. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. She was no longer married. She had been a widow for 84 years. And remember, God loves widows and God loves orphans. And look at this gift that God gives this widow who did not depart after she had been a widow. She did not depart the temple, but served God in the church with fasting and prayer, not just sometimes, not just every Sunday, but night and day. This widow was in there and she was praying for her Messiah. She was praying for the church. She was praying for this Redeemer to come. And how do I know that? In verse 38, it says, And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord. She gets to meet baby Jesus, and look at what she does, and spoke of him to all those who were looking for redemption in Jerusalem. This widow who has been in the temple, praying night and day, fasting, serving in the temple, praying for her Redeemer to show up. God grants her, God blesses her, God gives her the opportunity to meet the baby who's called the Redeemer, Yeshua, Jesus, Joshua, the one who is taking the Israelites into the promised land, taking them out of the desert and bringing them into redemption and into the place of glory that God has always destined them to be. And her response to that is going to tell everyone that she meets that was already looking for redemption. They could have been looking for salvation. They could have been looking for the Savior. They could have been looking for the King. They could have been looking for all these things. But she went specifically to those who were looking for redemption in Jerusalem, Telling them that the Redeemer is here. Let the redeemed of the Lord say. Now Jesus is on the earth and he's talking with his disciples. And he tells the disciples in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He understands that he is called to pay a debt. He is the sacrifice who is coming not to be served, not to be put on as king, but he is the redeemer coming to serve the unredeemable and make them re the redeemed. You are the redeemed. And Jesus understands in the definition of the redeemer, according to the Hebrew text, is that Jesus, as the nearest kinsman, He has the right to redemption of anybody who's a part of his family, and he stands in the office of avenging bloodshed that belongs to those that need redemption. So how can Jesus be the nearest kinsman to all of us? Romans chapter 8, verse 29, for whom he, you see he is capitalized, for whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed How? Conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We understand that we all come from the genealogy of Adam and Eve, that all humanity comes from Adam and Eve. And God created Adam and Eve in his image, in his likeness, and therefore we as humans, as the seed of Adam and Eve, are in the likeness, made in the likeness of God. But it also says 
that when we believe in our Redeemer, we become the younger brothers of our firstborn. It says in the scriptures that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. And remember that we have to die to our flesh whenever we get saved and we become a new creation. The old man is put away. Behold, you're born new. Remember when he talks in John chapter 3 to uh, to the Pharisee, to Nicodemus, right? No, not Nicodemus. Uh, When he talks in John chapter 3, that he tells them that you must be born again. And he's trying to figure it out. How can I go back into my mother's womb to be born again? He says, no, no, no. You've got to be born again of the Spirit. And when you're born again of the Spirit, you're born into the family of God. So therefore, he is, Jesus is our nearest kinsman. So therefore, he has, one, the right to redeem us, and two, to stand in the office of avenging our bloodshed. He is willing to shed his blood to pay for the penalty of our sin, to atone for our sin, so that we can be redeemed and brought back into the family. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, in him, in Jesus, we, make it personal today, in him, I have redemption. How? Through his blood. He is standing in the office of avenging bloodshed. In him, I have been redeemed through his blood. And what does that look like? The forgiveness, the eradication, the removal, the forgetting of my sins according, how? To the riches of his grace. Where grace abounded, it abounded so much more over my sin. It redeemed me over my sin. And then in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 9, it says, But Christ came as a high priest, look at this, of good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Look at verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves. He wasn't using somebody else's blood to avenge you. He was going to decide, God's plan was to decide and use. In verse 12, it says, but his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all. Looking at this, having obtained not just earthly redemption, but eternal redemption. Praise God. That Jesus' blood not only redeemed us while we're still on earth, it redeems us for eternity. Our nearest kinsman had the right of redemption, and he stood in the office of avenging our bloodshed to make sure that we are the redeemed. Psalms 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I am redeemed. You have been redeemed by the Redeemer. This has always been his plan, and it can be seen throughout the history of the Scriptures. In the Old Testament, when Jesus is here, and the revelation of Paul as he, as he writes in the New Testament. Everyone has been redeemed by the shedding of blood. It is God's heart, it is God's plan, it is God's purpose that no one should perish, but that all should come to know him. Anyone at any time can call upon the name of the Lord, call upon the name of my Redeemer, and I will be saved. I will be redeemed. It is available to everyone. But... Not everyone takes that reservation. As I'm flying to Dallas today, tonight, um, somebody at the office has set up a dinner for 
me and, and some people in the office and, and some other coworkers of ours. We have a, a reservation at 7.30 tonight as we're all flying in from different places for this conference. And, and so I know right here, right now, the restaurant that we're going to, I've seen the menu, uh, I've seen uh, the great food that's on this menu, and I know that I'm going to have a table at 7.30 to sit down with some friends at work and have a good meal. I have all this stuff prepared for. Chances are that it's already going to be paid for. It's already going to be taken care of. It's a free meal at a good restaurant at 7.30 tonight. But what if I knew all of those things, and tonight I said, you know what, I'm just going to get a bag of popcorn from downstairs in the hotel, and I'm just going to sit in my room and just eat a bag of popcorn or go get some ice from the vending machine and just eat some ice tonight um, and, and just enjoy that. That'll be a good meal. That'll take care of and sustain me, full well knowing that there is a, a, a prime rib that's waiting for me, that there's good fellowship, that there's good food, there's good desserts that are waiting for me at 7.30. It would be ludicrous. You would say, well, I'm going to get on a plane right now because I'm hungry and you're taking too long talking and I'm going to fly to Dallas and I'm going to take your reservation. But so many people inside and outside the church, a banquet has been set before them. The reservation has already been made. You have already been redeemed, forgiven, and your sins have already been atoned for, but people refuse to get that reservation. God already paid for it on the cross 2,000 years ago. But there are people, hopefully not here, listening to me today, but there are people out there in the world that have a reservation that will never take up that reservation and will end up in a place separated from God that God does not want you to go when he's already had a plan to redeem you. Everyone has been redeemed by the shedding of blood of your big brother, you can choose to walk in the redemption of being saved from your sin. You can choose to walk in the redemption of being saved from your error and from evil. You have been brought back into the family and have access to all the family benefits. You will be redeemed for eternity. God is in a current state of redeeming people. He wants to redeem somebody individually. We see that as he redeemed Moses. He redeemed these people. He wants to redeem a whole people group in the Israelites and then he wants to redeem the whole world when he sends Jesus to this earth. In Colossians chapter 1, my last scripture, I'm finishing with this. Colossians chapter 1, verses 20, 21, and 22. Verse 20, Paul writes, And by him, by Jesus, to reconcile all things, to redeem all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, Jesus has made peace, how? Through the blood of of his cross. Verse 21, and you, he's talking about you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you too. And you were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Ugh, that's rough. How do I get past that? How do I get unalienated? How do I get to become a friend of God? How do I get rid of my wicked works and start walking in good works? We talked about good works last week. You can go back and check out that sermon, that podcast. Yet now he is reconciled. We couldn't do that on our own. 
We were still alienated. We were still enemies. We were still doing wicked works. And the only way that we could be redeemed is Jesus is the one that reconciled you and reconciled me. Verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death. And this is how you have been redeemed. And this is how you now look to God. You are the redeemed because he has presented you as holy. He's presented you as blameless. And he's uh, presented you as above reproach in his sight. Now, your family might look at you a certain way. People in this community might look at you in a certain way. Your boss or your spouse or even your dog might look at you a certain way. But when God looks at you through his redeeming son, Jesus, he looks at you as holy and blameless and above reproach. Today is the day for the redeemed of the Lord to declare that I am redeemed. And it's time for you to start acting like it here on earth. Amen. You are the redeemed. It's time to start acting like it. And it's time to start telling people that their reservation is available for redemption. Jesus tells us when he's talking about the end of times, look up for your redemption is drawing nigh. Your redemption is here. Jesus has already paid the price for you. And you can receive that redemption today. But also knowing that one day Jesus is going to show back up and bring us to heaven whether it's my last breath here on earth or there's a trumpet in the, in the sky that I go to meet him in the air, our redemption is drawing near every day and receive that. You are the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so because God has redeemed you from the hand of the enemy. Praise God. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for this time together. Father, I thank you that we are the redeemed. Father, I thank you that you have reminded us that we have been redeemed by the Redeemer. Jesus has redeemed us. He's bought us back. He has paid the penalty of bloodshed so that we could be redeemed. Father, I thank you that through redemption, we have been saved from our sin, from our error, from our evil. I thank you that you have regained possession of us. I am no longer the world's. I am no longer the devil. I am no longer destined for hell, but I am destined for an eternity with my Redeemer. And Father, I thank you that Jesus, through his gospel message, paid the necessary price to clear my debt and to make me free. And it says in the scriptures that he that the Son makes free is already free indeed, Father. And I thank you for freedom in these people's lives. I thank you for full revelation of how redeemed they are, of how much God loves them, of the plan and the place that he did for them to redeem them from their life of destruction. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored. For those that are here, for those that aren't here and traveling, Father, give them traveling mercies and bring them back safely next Sunday. Father, I thank you right now and pray scripture over them, that they are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Everything they put their hands to prospers. Father, the favor of God surrounds them like a shield and they have favor with God and man. Their body is the temple of the Most High God. They have the mind of Christ. And by Jesus' stripes, they are already healed. Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against them, even their own tongue, we condemn now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for freedom in their lives, that you are freedom. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I thank you for your Spirit being here and being in those people's lives and bringing freedom to their mind, to their body, and to their spirits. Father, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Father, if there's anyone here who is questioning their redemption, Father, visit them right now and remind them 
It's a simple confession of their mouth and believing in their heart that Christ died for their sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and rose again the third day. And if we believe and receive that redemption plan, then we are saved, we are redeemed, not just here on earth, but we have eternal redemption through the blood of Jesus. Now, Father, bless your people. Use them as a salt and light of the earth, city set on a hill throughout this week. Protect them, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next Sunday with me here as well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you, Press Church family. I'll see you in person next Sunday. Take care. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.